Good morning and welcome to worship. We're glad you're here on this Sabbath day. A few announcements. Uh, any from the congregation? The last hymn, we will sing all of the verses together. All of the other hymns, we will sing just the first verse and the chorus, all right? Okay. And we will do our joys and concerns at the same time when we get to concerns. If you are leaving an offering this morning, there are offering plates at the back and just outside the sanctuary. Uh, we will not be taking up a formal offering uh, due to the need to keep spaces where they, they need to belong. So anything else for the good of our time together this morning? Welcome to worship. Let us share our chorus, Thy Word. the skies. for the words of welcome. O Lord, you have searched us and know us. You search out our path and know our way. Come, let us praise the Lord. For God is awesome and full of wonder. Christ, 
Let us pray the prayer of invocation together. Lord, over the din and distractions of this world, you came to us and called our names. We heard your voice and turned toward you and found life in all its fullness. Even when we have turned away, you continue to speak, and we heard you say, Come to me, all who labor and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Today, Lord, let your word find a resting place in our hearts and our understanding, that we may find the blessing of your grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Our words of worship. People asked, what must we do to be doing the work of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who God has sent. Jesus said, the bread of God is that which came down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Lord, give us this bread. The two scriptures I have chosen for our worship time this morning come from the Gospel according to Matthew. And the first is found in Matthew chapter 13. It is known as the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull the weeds up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house, Jesus, that is. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine in the sun 
like the Son in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know, when I was a little boy, my mom and my dad We do have some prayer concerns already mentioned this morning. Uh, a young family has lost a husband. Um, his son just graduated from high school. Um, so we want to remember his wife, uh, Karen, and the family. 
and and asked to remember a young man named Rob who was beginning a new venture in his life. How about others this morning? We want to pray for people who have lost loved ones because of this virus. in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give 
will sustain our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Bring us the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Would you pray with me? Because we bear the name of Christ, we look always to your word, O Lord. Because he is the living word and came into this world to speak to us that which leads to life and its fullness. And so we look to that word again this morning. We look to the blessing of your Holy Spirit that it may inform our understanding and our daily living. So bless us once again, O God, with your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
every time I read the scriptures about an encounter between Jesus Christ and the disciples, I always want to say to people, this was something that took place over several encounters. This was not one of those miraculous moments where Jesus showed up on the shore of Lake Galilee and said to these four gentlemen, come and follow me. Think of how many times Jesus had traveled during the three short years of his ministry throughout the countryside and often by the shore of Sea of Galilee. I believe that Jesus had had conversations with these men before and had engaged them in serious consideration about what did they want out of their lives. You know, I remember being a teenager. And one of the things that I struggled with, and I'm assuming that many teenagers did, was I, what I came to learn later in life as existential guilt. All it means was I didn't know what my purpose in life was. And I was struggling with what should I do after I get out of high school. Everybody asks when you go graduate, what are you going to do after you're out of high school? And a lot of young people don't have an answer. Oh, we're going to go to college. Well, what are you going to go to college for? Well, I don't know yet. And my response whenever that occasion occurs in a conversation is, you don't have to hurry it. God will show you the way. As a teenager, I thought this morning I would share my call of ministry. My call of ministry didn't begin at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. My call to ministry began in the Old Mill ice cream shop. I was there as a kid from high school. My day was get up in the morning, go to classes, after classes go to sports, after sports go to work, and go back home again and start the day over all over again. But something began to happen. Because as I was there in the evening serving ice cream to people who came in for snacks, the Baptist pastor of that community started to come in. Every time he came in, he ordered a hot fudge sundae. Now, I've never saw a more skinny man in my life. I couldn't figure out how he could eat a hot fudge sundae every night and continue looking that way. But the real issue was he kept saying to me, why don't you come to youth fellowship? I think you'd like to be a part of the youth fellowship. Now, I grew up in a home where I had shelter and clothing and food, but I had absolutely no religious instruction at all. So it was kind of strange to me to have a Baptist pastor stopping in every night at the Old Mill ice cream store saying, why don't you come to youth fellowship? I kept putting him off. I'm busy. I don't have time for anything other than what I'm doing. And then he did the unthinkable thing. He said, where do you live? <laughs> I told him. And he said, I'll be over to get you Sunday evening for youth fellowship. And he was. And I did. And that began my spiritual journey. Now I want you to think about those four gentlemen by the Sea of Galilee. 
How many times maybe had Jesus been there, perhaps buying fish for an evening meal, or simply on his way somewhere and engaging them in conversation to the point where they began to think about what is the purpose of my life? Am I destined to simply be here by the shore of Lake Galilee fishing every single day, taking whatever catch I have to market and repeating that process time and time and time again? I believe that something that Jesus was saying to them began to take root. It began to somehow gel in them to the point where they began to really consider what the possibilities of their life might be. I mean, it's difficult. I had no idea that life would turn out this way for me, and those disciples had no idea that life would turn out the way it did for them. But I believe that Jesus planted a seed, like this Baptist pastor planted a seed. And before long, I began to know that God was at work in some way in my life. And then one night I went to the movies with some of my friends. Now as a kid, I've always been drawn to the underdog. I've always been sensitive about people who are struggling with special needs or concerns in their lives. And I've always been concerned about how people deal with life itself. Now my dad was a truck driver. He had quite a vocabulary. And almost every occasion when I encountered him using that vocabulary, I would have a conflict with him. Why do you have to talk that way? It's so disruptive and so awful to hear it. Well, on the way home with my, free, three, my friends on the movie night, they began to talk that way. And I said, stop it. I don't like the way you're talking. We don't have to talk that way. And they said to me, if you don't like it, you don't have to walk home with us. And so I walked home a different way. Now, I grew up in a little village of about 4,000 people, so I could get home any number of ways. But for some reason, I went by the little church where I had been attending youth fellowship. I said, I need to pray because this is something that concerns me. But I thought, the door will be locked. And I went to the door anyway, and lo and behold, it was open. Now you can tell I feel this even now. I went to the communion rail and knelt in prayer. You want to know how God confirms your call to ministry? God will come to you in such a way that it will be indelibly clear. At that time of prayer, I felt myself so enveloped with a warmth and a presence that I knew in that moment, God had a purpose for my life. Now, why am I saying this? Because I believe that all those who claim the name of Jesus Christ are called to ministry. You know, shortly after college, I didn't have any money, so I got a temporary teaching certificate in the state of Iowa, and I loved teaching. And one of my college professors said, don't do that because if you do, you'll never get back on track for the ministry. I said, 
Yes, I will. And I did. As much as I loved teaching those kids, seventh graders, I knew that God had a plan for my life. I'm not sure what your life is. I'm just getting to know you as a people. I know some of you are teachers. I know some of you work in businesses. All of us have gifts and graces, and the scripture reminds us that every life is blessed with gifts and graces. And when we open those gifts and graces up to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we begin to fulfill whatever purpose God has for our life. I've said for years that teaching is not a job. Medicine is not a job. Clerking in a store is not a job. Driving a truck is not a job. Everything we do in life, if we do it in the presence of the Spirit of God, is a call to ministry. So this morning, I know we can't have a long dialogue about calls to ministry. But what I want you to think about today is your call to ministry. If God has called you, it's not just for your, per your salvation, your personal salvation. If God has called you for ministry, God will equip you to be sent. Think about those disciples. There they are by the Sea of Galilee and they decide to follow Jesus. And all of a sudden they're itinerant. They don't know in that moment where they're going or what's going to happen, but they know as a result of their conversation with Jesus that they have a destination and they have a purpose. I would like to think that everyone who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has a destination and a purpose. Those disciples left the seashore. It's true, after the crucifixion, they lost their focus and ran back to what they already knew. But Jesus came to them again. Jesus would not let them stay by that seashore because he had equipped them to go into the world with the good news, with the evangel, the salvation of a God who loves and cares about them. And somehow, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they were able to move out into the world. Now, friends, in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew is the parable of the sower and how the world gets infected with the evil one. And when they ask, should we take the weeds out? The farmer says, no, leave them alone. There will be a time of reaping and we'll deal with it then. Do you realize when you do the will of God, you are already in the kingdom of God? Think about that for a moment. Because the scripture reminds us that the kingdom is now and yet to be. It's present in this world. And how is it present here? It's present here when we open ourselves to the purpose and the call to ministry. And any time we do God's work, we are in that kingdom in that moment. And that's why we're sent, friends. I had no idea where I would end up. I left that small town, and God has been going before me 
the whole way. Even when I thought maybe I ought to be doing something else. I remember a time when I went through a difficult moment, like those disciples went through when Jesus was crucified and they had no idea what was coming next. I remember such a time in my life and I decided I would go to Washington, D.C. to talk with a think tank to see what kinds of options were open to me. It was a plane ride and I went in and sat on my seat. I looked across the aisle. You know who was sitting there? My bishop and my district superintendent. <laughs> I thought, what am I going to do now? They're going to want to know where I'm going and why I'm going. But in that moment, it came to me that God had somehow, in that circumstance, made me aware one more time that I was called to be sent. Now, I think my life and your lives unfold in very much the same way. When we know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, we also know that our lives have a purpose and a destination. We begin to be aware that we are called to ministry. My personal salvation isn't just something that I want to hoard to myself because it transforms me in such a way that I want to share it with the world. And so Jesus said, feed the hungry, travel with those who are broken, minister to those who have needs, do the things that make people aware that the kingdom of God is in our midst. Now, I do not know, again, what you are called to ministry for. I'm hoping that you will consider this again and again and again because God is not going to let you go. When you claim the name of Jesus Christ, God will come to you again and again. As God came to me in that small Baptist church in prayer, as God came to me on that airplane sitting across the aisle from the bishop and the superintendent, how many times will God come to me to confirm the fact that I am called to be sent? How many times will that happen for you? How many times did it happen for those disciples? How many times is God going to call us to ministry and then equip us? It's a marvelous thing that we're all gifted differently, but those gifts then can be blessed by the Holy Spirit and continue to build the kingdom of the living God. You and I both live in the world where the weeds are planted. That parable is so true for today, is it not? We live in the world where the weeds of evil are planted. Our job is not to go out there and try to pick all the weeds out, but it is to trust God that you will grow and the life you live will bear the fruit of the kingdom because God has called you. God has equipped you. You and I, we are all ministers of the gospel. And it makes a difference in the field we call the world.
Christ recruited those first four. But he had a relationship with them somehow. I don't know what it was. And it wasn't just simply, oh, they said, he is the son of God. He was talking with them. He was connecting with them. He was building a relationship with them like that Baptist pastor in my hometown. And somehow out of that, God can plant the seed that will lead every one of us into ministry. And God will also send us. It doesn't mean around the world, or for some people that's true. God will send you where you are. And when you do God's work, you are in the kingdom of God. Right this moment, right now. And yet that kingdom is still to come. It doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. The kingdom of God is now and yet to come. And each of us can be in that kingdom in that moment when we do the ministry for which God has called us. And it prepares us for the kingdom yet to be. Don't ever underestimate what God can and will do in each one of us. I only share my call to ministry because I believe in the very depths of my soul that God will call each one of us and equip us to be those who carry the good news of Jesus Christ. And in the field in which we live, there will be stalks of wheat that grow and bear fruit. May we always be one of those stalks of wheat that we may grow and bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. God will be with us and God will help to make it happen. Let us pray. What a blessing it is, Lord, that you do never give up on us. You love us with a love that will not let us go. And no matter where we are in this world, you seek to come to us, to abide with us, and to provide us with the courage and the strength to live as those who are in the kingdom. So bless this church and bless all of your people all around the world that as they look to their call to ministry, they may also be open to the leading of your Holy Spirit, that that call to ministry may continue to bear the fruit of the kingdom. For we pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I have especially wanted us to sing, Here I Am, Lord. It is not in your hymnal, but uh, we graciously have a musician who knows this tune. And uh, Nicole, thank you for printing these very much. And the congregation knows it too. And oh, and you know it too, <laughs> super. So let's sing and let's rise and sing this in the spirit of our call to ministry.
Trust in God always, for he is our strength.